Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, one of the biggest challenges, I think, facing us as a planet right now, we've just sung about, we've said, and I'll never be alone. But one of the biggest challenges facing us as a planet is loneliness. You know that? In fact, at the end of 2020, remember 2020? Good year that was. Remember at the end of 2020, there was a, a survey done and, and they reckoned that almost, almost one in four, 25% adults in the UK said that they'd experienced intense feelings of loneliness as this survey was being taken at the end of 2020. In fact, a few years before that, there was a survey in America where where 90% of men in America said they didn't think that they had any real good friends. 90%, that's incredible. And the mental health pressure because of loneliness and anxiety and stress and all of that is huge right now. It's huge. In fact, Julia Roberts, the actress, okay, so you think she's got everything, looks, money. She says this, I felt incredible loneliness all my life. I've known great despair. And what is the point of having a great job or something spectacular happening if you have no one to share it with? Unless you have someone, it's pointless. It's vapour. But you know, kids have an amazing way of getting to the heart of stuff, don't they? And there's a book written years ago called The All Better Book. And this basically, it's got a whole load of things in it. It says, what makes it all better? You know, little kids, and they fall over, and you, you kiss, the, kiss them, you know, where they've bumped. Oh, it's all better. It's all better. You know, that's what happens, isn't it? Do you know what I mean with little children? If only it would be like that for all of us. Do you know what I mean? And one of the questions in this book, I love this question, it's this. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? I mean, it's a great question, isn't it? There's billions of people in the world. Someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Okay, here's, here's some max age nine. Make food that talks to you when you eat. What a great idea that is, Max. For instance, it would say, how are you doing? And what happened to you? Today? Can you imagine eating like a donut? I can imagine eating a donut. And it's saying, and how are you today? That's a great idea, Max. Max age eight, we could get people a pet or a husband or wife, he says. (laughs) And we could take them places. But Brian, aged eight, sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so that's what I do. I know, that was always going to get that R reaction there. And kids have an amazing way of looking at it. With billions of people on the planet, someone should be able to figure out a system When no one is lonely, ladies and gentlemen, somebody has. And it's called family. You say, whoa, hang on a minute. My family doesn't feel that. I don't talk, I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about the family. Because the genius idea that God came up with isn't just the family. And we've prayed for a family today. It's the family commonly called the church. You see, I don't know what experience you've had of church. Maybe you've had a bad experience. We all have had. Maybe you've been hurt by church. We all have. Maybe you've been disappointed and disillusioned by church. We all have. But I want to tell you, on our our kitchen wall, it says our family doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. That's the same with church. Church doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. In fact, if it is perfect, please don't you join it. Because you're going to mess it up, aren't you? 
The reality is none of us are perfect and it's not perfect, but it's still wonderful. And it's God's dream for planet earth. And that's what we want to look at today. You see, it's what Jesus modelled while he was on the earth. It's what Jesus prayed for while he was on the earth. It's why Jesus sent his spirit to create this family on the earth. And it's what Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for his family. He's coming back for the church. Dallas Willard, who's an American author, he writes this, and I love this quote. God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. I love that. Let's look at it again. God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. What I want to do this morning, okay, is I want to take you into the classroom for a little bit, okay, and look at the Bible. Then I'm going to take you into the living room and look at how family in the church should work out. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're not sure even what the church is, this is what it's supposed to be, okay? Maybe you're a Christian and you've been a Christian a long time and you've forgotten this is what the church is supposed to be all about. This is why God uses the metaphor and the picture of family as the primary metaphor for the church in the Bible. Because it's genius and because everything is all about family. And with billions of people on the planet, someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely and somebody has. And it's called the church. So Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to dive into it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. So now you Gentiles, let's stop right there. Gentiles is basically a word for everyone who's not a Jew, okay? Now the Jews had this sense of community that was really close and really tight, but nobody else could be in, okay? It's just us. When Jesus came, when he died on the cross, when he died and he rose again and the temple in the curtain, the curtain in the temple even was torn in two, it destroyed all the barriers, it destroyed all the walls, it destroyed all that exclusivity and it opened everything up for everybody. And Paul's now speaking into that and he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. The word for stranger there is a Greek word called xenoi. It's where we get the word xenophobia, a fear of people not like us. Foreigners, the meaning of that word foreigner, okay, is someone close to us but not like us. So Paul's saying, listen, you guys, you aren't excluded now. You aren't just not like us, you're included. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. It's really important. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. The word there is oikos. And oikos literally means a unit. It's God's basic building block unit. It's familial. It's a household. So a few weeks ago, I was in Albania uh, visiting uh, a church in the north in Skodra and um, Two hours south from there is Duras, where we have a church, okay, where we are overseeing a church. Some of the young lads drove up to pick me up and to drive me back down again. I knew some of these lads, I didn't know all of them. But as we sat in the car, there's three lads and me, lads, young men, okay, I'm old now, so everyone's a young lad. They're in their 20s. And we began talking, some of them didn't speak English, but one of them did. And, it, and I said, so Yeton is the pastor in the church. Many of you know Yeton. I said, aren't you Yeton's cousin? He says, yeah, yeah, Andy is. All right. Andy is, what? And then, I, and then I mentioned some other names in the church. What about, oh yeah, he's his cousin as well. 
I, I literally mentioned 12 people. They're all Yeton's cousins. I didn't realise that actually all these people are related. But that idea of oikos and family is biblical. The church started through households, through families. And what God is saying, and that's blood relatives, what God is saying is that the church now, you're members of God's family. It's almost like your blood. It's almost like your cousin, which is why the Bible talks about brothers and sisters. And it talks about greet each other with a holy kiss. So at the end of the service, we're not going to do that, okay? <laughs> Some of you look really nervous there. It's this whole idea of family almost like being blood. And it is blood because of the blood of Jesus. Then it goes on to say, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That word foundation means baseline, it's stability, it's built and it's solid. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. In other translations, it says becoming a building. And interestingly, the root word of that word is oikos again. So you're members of God's family and you're being built into a building, but it's the same root word, oikos. In other words, church is not a place you go to, it's a people you belong to, isn't it? And we discovered that during COVID when we couldn't come into a building, but we were still the church because it's not ultimately about a place, it's about a people that you belong to. And it goes on to say, through him, you Gentiles, you who were outside, you who were different, you who were strangers and foreigners are now being made part of this dwelling. And that word dwelling means habitation. It's where God resides and lives. And that God is everywhere, but he specifically really wants to reside and dwell in the family of God. And he lives there and God lives by his spirit. Now that's important because that word spirit, pneuma, where we get the word pneumatic from, it means breath, it means wind, it means power. The church is not just a natural entity, it's a supernatural reality. I mean, look around. I mean, would we even be in the same room if it wasn't for Jesus? Nope. <laughs> Because this is the supernatural thing that actually people who are black and white and rich and poor and um, educated and not educated and Birmingham City supporters. Oh, that stuck in my throat that day when I said that. Even Birmingham City supporters. Oh, actually, you've got to draw the line. No, you haven't. You haven't. This is the beauty of the church. You don't have to draw the line anywhere. That is the beauty of the family of God. So now let's go back to the Dallas Willard statement. God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Guys, I wanna, I wanna be really honest with you, okay? In the room and online and in our locations. I'm not perfect, you know that. We're not perfect, the church is not perfect, but our family doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. It doesn't. So that's the classroom. What about the living room? Let me give you three markers of the genius of God's family. And I believe that in family, in the family, this is where the genius of Jesus will be unlocked the most. This is where we'll unlock truth that Jane spoke about a few weeks ago. This is where we'll unlock empathy that we spoke about a few weeks ago. This is where we'll unlock power, real power. This is where we'll unlock grace in the genius of God's family. Let me give you three markers. Number one, hospitality. We welcome you, right? This is the great message of the church of Jesus Christ. 
And this is what the early church struggled with. Because they thought, no, 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 you mean we welcome him? We welcome her? But, but they're this and they're that and they think that and they vote that way. And their sexuality is that way. And they do that. And they used to be that. And Jesus says, and I broke all those walls down. We welcome you. Guy called Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in North America, he said, the church is a family expecting guests. Listen, if you're a guest this morning, we love that you're here. You may never come and visit us again. That's all right. We just love that you're here. And if ever you feel that the church is an inhospitable, unwelcoming place, that's on us. It's not on Jesus. Because the church is meant to be a place of hospitality. And in the East and in the Near East, where this, where this whole um, Jesus movement started, and, and I know because of being in Albania and other places like that, it's such a community context. Hospitality is huge. Do you know what I mean? You want to invite people and, and you want to open your table up and you want to open your home up and you want to open your hearts up and you don't care who they are because you want to welcome them in because hospitality says we welcome you. So I want to say it really clearly. Life Central is a church that welcomes everyone, right? No matter what they believe, no matter how they behave, no matter how they vote, no matter what football team they support, no matter what experiences they've been through, no matter the colour of their skin, no matter their background or their culture, we welcome you because Jesus has broken every barrier down. To me, that is unbelievable, and yet it is true. I want to say a little few words about Ukraine. And uh, when the war happened, and you guys, um, you know, you, we prayed, didn't we? We prayed so much, and we still are praying. And, and you gave financially, you gave as a community over £30,000 to the people of Ukraine, which is amazing. And that just shows, I think, something of our heart of, to be generous. But I know many of you are saying, but can we do more? And we want to do more. What about refugees? And we've set up a refugee working group that Alison and Sean, two of our staff members, are heading up. And we're looking at that. It is complex and difficult. But I want you to know we're working on it, okay? We're working on how we practically can help Ukrainian refugees. And on the website this week, some stuff will go up there and we'll update you on all of that. But you know, there's other ways in which we can welcome people into our community. You don't have to be a refugee to be welcome. One of the ways I want to just share with you is that we run a program here called Equip, which is our gap year, kind of an internship program. And over the years, over the last couple of years, they've been housed in OM at the back because we couldn't, they couldn't go in people's homes because of COVID. That season has come to an end. Uh, we are now looking to, or the young people are coming to join us and spend a year of their life with us. We really need to create a home for them to be in. You could be part of the answer for them. You see, here's our challenge. Here's our challenge, okay? Uh, how do we not build walls, but instead extend tables? And one of the ways that we don't build walls, but extend tables is by being hospitable. And many of you in the past have opened up a room in your house for one of these students to come and to spend some months or even a whole year with. And it's been amazing. And you've blessed them in their journey of life and their journey with God. If you can help, please talk to us. If we don't find accommodation, we can't. We'll have to shut that. and We'll have to say, we can't do that. But we don't want to be that because we want to welcome people. We want to be hospitable. 
So I really want to encourage you. One of the markers of the genius of God's family is hospitality. We welcome you. Secondly, solidarity. We stand with you. Now, this is really, really important. See, saying hi and drinking coffee at the end of the service is great, and it's a start, and we hope you do it, okay? But it's not family, all right? It's just saying hi, it's being friendly, it's not family. Family is when we're hospitable and when we have solidarity with one another. Solidarity means I stand with you. We stand with you. You see, hospitality allows the person with power to remain as the host. But solidarity requires us giving up our power and privilege and standing with the person where they are. It's like I'm going to say, I'm going to give up my power and privilege and I'm going to stand with you, alongside you, shoulder to shoulder with you. That's what family does. A guy called Rich Velodis, who was a, he's a, preach, a, speaker, a pastor sorry, of a multicultural church in Queens in New York. He says, this is, you've got to develop a habit and the habit of incarnational listening requires something of a crucifixion. Listening to other people who are not like you. In 2020, when George Floyd was murdered and the whole Black Lives Matter thing grew and and of course that's become so divisive. Leave that aside for one minute. Listening to people who are not like you is so important. During that whole season, I, I spoke to many of my black friends and said, can you talk to me about what life is like for you? Can you help me understand? Because I'm a white guy. I've never, ever experienced racism. I don't know what that feels like. And I I have to say, I've had some of my thoughts and feelings completely thrown upside down because of listening to other people. Not listening to judge, not listening to say, oh yeah, but you should do this. Not listening to say, oh yeah, you you think that's bad. Just listening. That's solidarity. It's standing with someone else who is different from you. I think that's family. I think that's family. Um, Maya Angelou, who was an incredible writer, she says, the love of the family, the love of even one person can heal. It heals the scars left by a larger society. What would it be like if people who do experience racism, who do experience being ostracized, being pushed out, what would it be like if they came to the church and they felt belonged and they felt they were welcomed And they felt that people stood with them and alongside them. Not only hospitality, but solidarity. What could that do? A couple of weeks ago, Alison and myself went went along to the 25-year anniversary of um, an organisation called Battelle. And Battelle Ministries, and they're all around the world, but there's one in Birmingham. And we're getting to know these guys really quite well. And we went along along to this 25-year celebration. And it's incredible because Battelle, for the last 25 years in Birmingham, have been welcoming in people who are struggling with issues of addiction, drug and alcohol. And they not only help them to get clean, but they help them to meet Jesus. The stories were mind-blowing. Alison and myself sat in that meeting for two and a half hours, tears rolling down our cheeks as one after another we listen to people's stories in fact these guys here told their story this guy was a drug addict and then met this woman who was an alcoholic they're now married with a little child and here's two families coming together they told their story it was powerful really powerful you know one of the things that he said that I wrote down he said this when we came to this community we came to a family And what we experienced was a love that welcomed, a love that prayed, and 
a love that confronted. So they loved, they welcomed, they prayed, and they confronted. They stood alongside me, but they stood alongside me in such a way that they wanted me to change. And by the power of God, he did. Isn't that incredible? And here's our challenge. Here's our challenge when, when it comes to this one. Will we learn to truly listen to the perspective of others? So hospitality says we welcome you. Solidarity says we stand with you. But finally, mutuality says we need you. And this is what family is about. We need one another. We really do. In the Bible, there's almost 60 one another phrases. In the original language, it's just one word. But it's literally, there's, there's, I think there's 59 or so of these one another. So tolerate one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Carry one another's burdens. Love one another. Be reconciled to one another. It's literally like the early church just one another, one another. That's what they did. They just wanted, because they needed each other. I need you and you need me. This is mutuality where we need one another. Nicky Gumbel, the guy that developed um, Alpha, says, church is not an organisation you join. It is a family where you belong, a home where you're loved, and a hospital where you find healing. That's what it should be, isn't it? That's what it should be. And our challenge, guys, is this, to choose to stop pretending and to start really belonging. I want to be really vulnerable with you and tell you something I've never said publicly, ever. Um, we're part of Elim, which is a denomination of churches. I'm an Elim minister. For several years, I went along to conference. I did what I needed to do, and I was happy to be in Elim, but I didn't really enter in, if I'm honest. I didn't. Most of my friendships, my relationships were outside of Elim. We were an Elim church, but I didn't really belong. I did belong on paper, but I didn't in my heart. And then one day, something happened. And I felt God say to me, really powerfully, okay, and this doesn't happen to me often, I felt God say to me, Leon, when are you going to walk towards the family you say you're a part of? And it was like God went, bang. When are you going to walk towards the family you say you're a part of? And I did. And everything has changed in my relationship with Elim and in Elim's relationship with me. And I want to say, we can be in church all we like and not belong. When are you going to walk towards the family you say you belong to? So, so, when you don't feel like family, what's going on? When you don't feel like family, and maybe in church today, you don't feel like this is family to you. Maybe you're at Hagley and Rowley or Clibbery Mortimer, or you're watching online, and you don't feel like this is family. You kind of come and you, you tune in, but it doesn't feel like family. There's three dynamics going on. Number one, there's us. We need to get better at being more hospitable, don't we? At being more standing with each other, at being more mutual. We need to get better. But there's also a you dynamic because you shouldn't need someone in your family to tell you to put the dishes, to, to do the dishes because you're family. And with family comes responsibility and you've got to step into that. So maybe... You don't feel family because you haven't stepped into family. Maybe you haven't stepped into it. Maybe like me within Elim, you belonged, but you haven't really stepped in. And maybe it's time to step in. You can do that today. You could take your next step. In fact, there's a, there's a thing coming up out here. You can text LCC next steps, your name 60777 and someone will respond to you and say, what do I do? 
Maybe you join a connect group. Maybe you serve. Maybe you get involved somehow. Because when you step in, you suddenly start feeling like you belong. Can I say if you're newer to us as a church, okay, if you joined during this season, it's going to take a while for you to feel family. You won't feel family straight away. You just won't, okay. It Maybe it's coming out of COVID, it's a little different, all of that. Getting to know people is so important. You've got to do something if you want to feel that you belong. So there's us dynamic, there's you dynamic, but I want to finish with this. There's also the Spirit of God dynamic. You see, right the way back in Ephesians 2, we said that God creates this family where He dwells by His Spirit. And that sense of belonging and family is also a mystical, supernatural experience where God breathes life and you feel His life. He is the most glory, the sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant of this beautiful, wonderful, not perfect thing called God's family. That word for spirit, pneuma, means breath or wind. And so what I'm going to do is wherever you are, I'm going to invite you to stand. Invite you to stand. And I want to pray for you and I want to pray for you guys at Hagley and Rally. Listen, listen, let me speak into the camera for you. We know it's been difficult for you guys. You're on a screen right now and before COVID, you had a band and you had, we understand all that, okay? But there's a supernatural dynamic going on here as well. And it won't just be as we sort a few things out practically, but it'll be as God by His Spirit breathes His life and you say, I belong to this family where there's hospitality, where there's solidarity, where there's mutuality, where, where we belong and where together we go on this journey of discovering who God is and who we are and who we are together. So I want to pray for you. And if you don't feel like you belong, you don't feel like you're in, I want to pray that by the Spirit of God, He would do something in you that will cause you to say, I belong, I belong, I'm home. With billions of people on the planet, someone should figure out a system where no one is lonely. Somebody already has. It's called the church. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person here, every single person watching on a location, watching online, watching later on Catch Up. May we know that we do not have to live life alone because we are set, set by your Spirit into a family called the church where you are the primary sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant. So Holy Spirit, would you breathe your life? Would you breathe your power? Would you fill us with your presence and with your spirit. And now as we worship you together, may we sense not only your presence, but may we sense the fact that we have been placed in a family where we belong with a role to play, with a voice to speak, and with a heart to love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.